Good evening, everyone. My name is Matt, and um, yeah, I just want to echo what Dave has said, uh, wishing you a really, really happy Easter. Hope that whatever you've gotten up to this weekend has been really awesome. It's really special to be here with you kind of remotely. Um, I'm glad that we're able to do this. Um, I think that it's really good that we can celebrate Easter morning and evening, uh, or even if you're catching up during the week. So thanks for listening to this message. As Dave mentioned, we're carrying on our series looking at the story of Peter, And today, I get to talk about one of my all-time favorite stories from the Bible. But before I do that, I want to ask you a quick question. Have you ever noticed how many times in the Bible really important stuff happens around meals? And like, I'm talking about Jesus specifically. It's almost like every single time he's trying to say something important, every time he's trying to teach somebody something or do a public display of something, there's food involved my kind of leader. There's always food involved, and I just think that's a great life lesson. I could almost end the talk there, that we should be more concerned about food all the time. Jesus certainly was. But I grew up in a really big family, and if I'm honest, I've seen it all happening at mealtime. I don't know if you can relate to this, but for me, growing up in a big family, and it got even bigger as my older siblings started having kids, and and our big family gatherings, all of a sudden there was like 15, 20 people little ones, older ones, it was all happening. And at mealtimes, there was a certain sort of special chaos that would always come about. But it was always really special because it didn't matter that we were different ages, that we weren't always getting on, that we were from different um, kind of phases in life. Something about the food helped to restore the relationship. And we just kind of got on I, we literally we saw all. Oh, we saw arguments at mealtimes. We saw um, jokes. We saw stories. We saw everything was happening always. It, nothing was off the table. There was even one point I remember. I think it was, may have been an Easter uh, meal that we had years and years ago. One of my nephews, who will remain unnamed for the sake of this, um, was having a, a major health issue, and basically he hadn't pooed in like a week. And his mum was very worried about him. In the middle of our meal. My sister comes running in going, he's pooed, he's finally pooed. And it was totally normal for us. We were just like, that's great, that's awesome. Just carried on with the food. There was something about the meal and the atmosphere of just eating together that meant that the business of life, the really weird and gross stuff, the really important stuff and everything in between was absolutely fine. And there was something about the food, the eating together that meant we were willing to talk about and share life and all of its moments. And um, I don't know if you can relate to that. Maybe that's a weird thing about my family and that's fine. Um, Maybe you're thinking, yes, I do see it all at meals. And um, I'm glad you can relate to me on that one. But Jesus definitely set this precedent all throughout his ministry. Every time he wanted to have a meaningful encounter with someone, often we saw that food wasn't far away. And what I want to do tonight is look at this encounter in John chapter 21, where Jesus has this unbelievably important moment with his disciple Peter, one of his best friends, and it's all around a meal. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to pick out three things that Jesus said, and I'm just going to quickly talk through those and hopefully encourage us at the end about this. First of all, Jesus says to Peter, friends, where are your fish? After the, uh, after the death and resurrection of Jesus, the disciples had seen him uh, on one or two occasions, but not all of them together yet. And Jesus was beginning to reveal himself. And so this is one of those big moments. But can you imagine how Peter felt at this point? He'd been following this man for three years. And then all of a sudden, 
it all falls apart. And if you heard the talk that we did last week, you'll realize that really Peter hit a seriously low moment. And so after this, you can't blame him. What does he do? Goes fishing. He does what he knows. And he and some of the disciples are out on a boat in the middle of the night, doing what they do best, really, but still doing a pretty bad job of it. And then all of a sudden, this figure appears on the beach and they recognize who it is. And one of the disciples calls out, it's him, it's the Lord. And Jesus calls out, friends, haven't you caught any fish? And I can't help but think that there's a bit of a, a tone of, you know, irony in that or humor from Jesus, suggesting that he should, you know, know how to do their job better than them. And actually, that's how a lot of them first met, was Jesus having an encounter with them about fish. As he does this, he's beginning to do something with Peter that's really, really special. And he's beginning to stir up memories. And actually, what we see throughout the rest of this story is Jesus planting seeds that is going to help Peter remember the journey that he's been on with him so far. He does this by doing four things. First of all, there's the mention of fish. We read about in Luke chapter 5 that Peter first met Jesus in an encounter doing this very thing, going fishing. And what we learn from this is that Peter was just minding his own business, going about his ordinary life, and Jesus broke in to that life. He stepped right into Peter's space. And he still does this today. And actually, that's what he's doing to Peter right now. Peter is just minding his business. He's processing this great loss, this hurt and this pain. We remember that he betrayed Jesus and Jesus even saw him. He's just trying to deal with that. He's minding his own business and Jesus steps in. But the memory of the fish is going to really help Peter connect that dot. Jesus then says to the friends, after he makes a suggestion, you know, throw your net over this side of the boat and see what happens. They do it and they, they have this miraculous catch of fish. Someone actually managed to count them and it was like 153 of them. And they pull it to shore. And when they get there, Jesus says, although he's already cooking fish on a barbecue, on a fire, he says, bring what you have. And actually, this is just going to remind Peter of the very famous moment where, again, Jesus, thinking about food and wanting to feed people, the feeding of the 5,000, he asks for people to bring what they have to contribute to the meal. And so all of a sudden, Peter's going to be looking at this thinking, I'm having flashbacks of that particular moment where Jesus provided for these thousands and thousands of people. So again, he's remembering these moments that Jesus has led him on. Fish came first. He's remembered the food, and then there was fire. Jesus was cooking these fish on a fire. And as we talked about last week, I shared a story which was, again, potentially too much information about the fact that you never forget the smell of a fire. And Peter, when he arrives on this beach and he sees Jesus cooking these fish over a fire, he will immediately be taken back to that famous night just not that long ago where he was asked three times, do you know this man? He said, no, I don't no, I don't, no, I don't. And on that third one, he actually catches Jesus' eye and then he bursts into tears because Jesus predicted that Peter was going to deny him three times and it happened. And Peter felt awful. At Jesus' lowest moment, he's let his best friend down. Peter was meant to be there for him. He was meant to protect him. He said he'd die for him. And he was asked a simple question and he couldn't do it. And so fish reminded him, the fire reminded him of Jesus, the feeding reminded him of Jesus. And then finally, it happens. Jesus and Peter get a moment alone. And Jesus says, Peter, do you love me? And so Peter is reminded with the fourth F. 
of failure. And in this moment, Jesus, it's one of the most incredible moments in the whole Bible. He purposefully leads Peter up to this point and he says, Peter, do you love me? And we learn that Peter was hurt because it says after the third time that Peter, you know, he had this emotional response to this. He knew what Jesus was doing. He was pulling at these moments that were really significant in Peter's life. Now, why do I mention all of this? Steve Jobs once famously said that you can only join the dots in your life looking back. God wants us to be mindful today of how we've gotten to this point. When you look back, when you remember, when you allow Jesus to highlight the things that he's done in your life, that brings up a whole new level of gratefulness and thankfulness. So this Easter, I want to encourage you to look back and to see what God has done in your life. What are those stories? What are those moments that Jesus has been leading us, the highs and the lows? When you look back, you can connect the dots. And that is what Jesus, I believe, wants to do with us today and moving forward to help us to have a better memory, to remember all the things that he has done for us so we can be grateful. What's the second thing that Jesus said that I wanted to highlight? It's this phrase, come and have breakfast. Possibly my favorite words Jesus has ever mentioned. I love breakfast. It's a very important part of my routine. And this is exactly the sort of thing that makes me want to be a follower of Jesus, that he says, come and have breakfast. After everything the disciples have been through, he is willing to just suggest that they need a good meal. I totally agree. It is good biblical wisdom that food can make a huge impact for you. But Jesus, as ever, is stepping into our every day. So actually, in this instance, what we're doing is we're going from, you know, Jesus has zoomed out and shown Peter the big picture. And now, all of a sudden, he's coming into sharp focus in the present moment. After the meal, Jesus speaks directly to Peter and on purpose asks him three times about his commitment. Do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? And so instead of looking really far back at the whole ministry that Jesus has had and, and that friendship that he's got with Peter, he's now using this meal to do business in the here and now, to deal with how he is feeling in this exact present moment. Jesus doesn't want to skirt the issue. He doesn't want to be awkward about it. He just confronts it. And in this confrontation, Peter's pain from the denial and Jesus' pain at being betrayed, they're both brought to the surface. But do you know what's crazy? Is that Jesus' pain makes it possible to deal with Peter's. It's the pain that Jesus went through on the cross as we celebrate today, that he died for everything that we did, all the wrong stuff that we have said, done, thought about, the whole lot. He takes it all on himself and he says, I have dealt with it, it is done, it is finished. And that's what we celebrate today, that we are able to have a new, brand new life, relationship with God, that closeness that we've always wanted. Jesus' pain makes it possible for our pain to be healed. And that's what we see in this conversation. Jesus is bringing up this really, really deep moment where two friends have been, you know, torn apart through the wrongdoing of one of them. And he is approaching us and saying, I can make things right. And I wanted to read to you this quote as uh, Tom Wright reflects on this passage. He says this, here is the secret of all Christian ministry. Yours and mine, lay and ordained, full-time, part-time. It's the secret of everything from being a quiet back row member of a prayer group 
to being a platform speaker on a huge stage. If you were going to do any single thing as a follower and as a servant of Jesus, this is what it's built on. Somewhere deep down inside, there is a love for Jesus. And although goodness knows you have let him down enough times, he wants to find that love to give you a chance to express it, to heal the hurts and the failures of the past, and to give you new work to do. So if it's Easter day and actually you're thinking, you know, I've loved the chocolate, I've loved an opportunity to see friends and family, I'm liking the bank holiday, but you know what? I'm not feeling it right now. I don't feel close to God. I don't feel good with my faith. Something doesn't feel right in my life. You know what? That's what Easter is all about. (laughs) A lot of what we celebrate at Easter is Jesus wanting to get involved in that feeling of separation, in that feeling of tension. And he wants to say, I love you. Do you love me? Because I want to make this right. Come and have breakfast. Let's talk about it. And then finally, Jesus says to Peter, follow me. After that really difficult and awkward conversation, this third phrase is super, super important. Peter has said, I love you. I love you. And then he says, Lord, you know, I love you. And then Jesus says these words, follow me. And actually after this interaction, Peter does a very British thing, I think, actually, and manages to just get really awkward. And so he tries to change the subject and talk about something else, anything else. Lord, you know, it didn't go well when he asked me to follow him the last time. I said I would die for him. And what did I do? I denied him three times. And now he's saying, follow me. Well, well, what good am I now? Well, I can't do this. Yeah, I love you and I'm committed to you, but can I do a good job of following you? My track record wouldn't suggest so. Right, let's talk about something else. Um, Him. And just in the distance is the disciple John. And Peter is just trying to find a way out. Yeah, but, you know, Lord, what about him? You know, you love him. He's, he's really close to you. He even wrote this book and constantly refers to himself as the disciple that you loved. You know, uh, he, what about him? What's he going to do? And Jesus doesn't even entertain this tangent. He says, what is that to you? I want you to follow me. Jesus being beautifully direct in this moment, not allowing the distraction and just cutting straight to the heart of the matter. Maybe today you are on cruise control, you're on autopilot, you're distracted, you're just trying to fill time. And actually you may have felt that God for a while has been on your case about something, maybe even speaking to you or nudging you, calling you into a deeper relationship if you already have one, or maybe a relationship for the first time and you're just not up for it. You're not up for talking about it. You don't want to deal with it. So you're just, your life is busy. You are distracted. You've got work. You've got kids. You've got it all going on. Your health might not be great. And you're just thinking, I don't have time to deal with this. Jesus says, what are these things? I want you to follow me. So to the person who is distracted, to the person who is lost, to the one who is busy and tired and worn out this Easter weekend, to the one who is angry, upset, or hurt, Jesus says, come and have breakfast with me. I love you and I want you to follow me. Amen. Lord, we thank you so much for this truth and for this story that we celebrate at Easter of this restoration of Peter 
Lord, we thank you that we can learn these things, that you are so committed to us. Lord, even in our deepest, darkest moments, you are there for it all. Lord, I thank you that you're able to help us, you know, deal with our past, present and future, that you help us to join the dots and to see the way that you've been faithful to us and leading us this whole time. Lord, I thank you that you deal with the pain and the separation that we feel from you now, right now. And we thank you, Lord, that it is your cross and it is the fact that you beat death and you were resurrected to full life that has made this possible. And Lord, I thank you that with you there is hope for a good and a bright future. And you say, what are these things? What are these distractions? What is it that you're busying yourself with? What are they? I want you to follow me. Oh Lord, I pray that today we would all be encouraged to follow you again with a new energy, a new zeal, a new passion. God, for those who today are just feeling not up to it, they're feeling like actually Easter is, is lovely, but I, I, God, I don't feel that connection to you. Holy Spirit, we just pray that even now as they're watching this or maybe listening to it during the week, Holy Spirit, would you come and would you fill that person's life? Lord, I pray that there would be a new closeness. And actually this Easter, may it be for some people a new turning point where they said, yeah, I decided to follow Jesus again for the first time or maybe the 20th time. But I made a commitment today to say, Lord, I am going to follow you. Thank you for your restoring love. Lord, I thank you so much for today. I just pray that you'd be with us as we continue to celebrate every good thing that you have done. And we thank you for your son, Jesus, who we, yeah, we're so grateful for him today in particular. And it's in his name that we say, thank you, Lord. Amen.